Last week, we kicked off a series called Grounded, and the purpose of this series this month, all the month of August, we are looking um, at the basics, kind of the, the basics of wisdom in the scriptures, primarily from the wisdom literature, and how we kicked off last week, um, and we're going to be tracking mainly in Proverbs, but a, a couple of other uh, wisdom books that we find in scripture, but where we kicked off last week is that God provides wisdom for us in his word, right within the scriptures. There's five wisdom books. Job, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, um, Psalms, and Proverbs. And, um, and we, we kicked off last week to help us grow this appreciation for the wisdom we find in the scriptures for everyday living, um, for earth living, not just get to heaven type living, but earth living as well, because Jesus prayed that God's kingdom um, would be here expressed, reflected on earth as it is in heaven. And he longs for us to live a life that he intends for us and live it well. And often there's a gap, uh, I think sometimes with people of faith, where we, we believe uh, and know that God changes our hearts and the gospel is essential, vital, indispensable to come into a relationship with our Heavenly Father through His Son, Christ. It's indispensable for us to know a relationship with Him and have life now and into eternity. But we also see in the scriptures that His wisdom gives us the skills to live this kind of life that he longs for us. And so we said last week, wisdom is possible when we recognize that God is bigger and brighter than us. What I mean by that is he is overwhelmingly holy and powerful and awesome, and he's infinitely wise and discerning and knowledgeable. And the Proverbs actually kick us off as we, we start into them, pointing us first to God for wisdom, where it says that, the, the, that, that wisdom or the, the fear of the Lord, the awe, the reverence of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Later on, several chapters later, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So knowledge and wisdom working together. So the Proverbs starts us off by pointing us to God for wisdom, not ourselves. And we're going to really have fun with that next week with such a key passage in Proverbs that I hope we'll all memorize um, if we haven't already uh, as, we keep, as we jump into that next week. But first, it points us to God for wisdom. Secondly, Proverbs starts off by saying, do you want this? Do you want wisdom? Because there is people who don't. The scriptures are clear. There's people who just say, I reject wisdom. I despise wisdom. So the scriptures ask us, do we want wisdom? And we said it last week in these words, will you be humble enough before an almighty God and hungry enough for his wisdom? And there's a promise that if we are humble enough and hungry enough, come before God. God wants to pour out his wisdom into our lives. Um, here's a simple practical way of understanding what wisdom is. Eugene Peterson defines that wisdom is the art of living skillfully in whatever actual conditions we find ourselves in. Just the understanding of what is wisdom, what's it for, why do we, why do we need it? The art of living skillfully in whatever actual conditions we find ourselves in. But here's the question. How does wisdom get our attention? How does the scriptures call us into this or to desire it, to want it, to understand what it is? How does wisdom get our attention? How does the scripture, or at least the wisdom literature, these five books, because I mean all of scripture is wisdom for us, but particularly 
what we call wisdom literature, how does, how does it go about teaching us? Because when you read your Bible, I don't know about you, but there's six or seven different kinds of writings in the scripture, right? There's historical, there's prophetic, there's apocalyptic, there's one that was, that, that was created just because there was no other kind of literature ever around in history called gospel, good news. And so we read the gospels in the scripture, but we also read wisdom and poetry. So how does scripture, especially the wisdom literature, how does it teach us? I'm sure that a dozen or maybe a hundred dozen times in your life, maybe someone has told you these words. Have you ever heard this from somebody in a conversation? I told you so. That ever happened? (laughs) Never? Liar. Um, (laughs) You know, I'm sure that has happened so often. I know it's happened in, in my own life. You're convinced you can fix a conflict by telling your friend everything that is wrong with them and it backfires on you. You're convinced that your life will be better with all the features added to this new car that you're going to be leasing. And you realize that maybe you're crushed under debt and some of the payments. You're determined to get somewhere using a road that's under construction. And you waste an hour on your trip. And maybe in those circumstances, the first one, maybe your mom tried to warn you about how to approach that conflict. Maybe the second one, a mentor tried to tell you how dumb of a decision it is to go for the extra expensive gold-plated mags on the... Well, gold-plated mags, but you know, that wouldn't be the case. But the extra expensive mags on the car. Maybe there was a friend in the back seat while you were driving actually using Google Maps and saying, you're going to get traffic. Like, no, no, don't worry. I was here last week. It's all fine. And at the end of it, what do those people tell you? I told you so. I asked my wife last night, Frank, has there been like any specific moments where you've told me, I told you so? And she said, not one doesn't come to mind, but I've said it many times, right? <laughs> and so that's just kind of the nature, right? And, and, and I was trying to think of a specific moment, but I'll just leave it at hundreds, okay? So we'll just leave it like that. Now, wisdom's mode of operation in the scriptures, especially in the Proverbs, the way it unfolds wisdom for us is different than the teachings of Paul or the Gospels or even the teachings of Jesus. In a subtle way, it has much more of a cause and effect type of approach. When we read wisdom in Proverbs or Ecclesiastes, we have more of this cause and effect type of writing. That's the, the, the method of operation of wisdom. Much of the Proverbs work like this. In fact, wisdom gives us insight into what outcome our choices will take us to. That's often what the wisdom in Proverbs, especially in other wisdom literature, does. It gives us insight into the outcomes of what our choices will lead us to. And so today I want to walk through a little bit of Proverbs um, chapter 1 and 2, and um, chapter 1 verse 20 into chapter 2 verse 22. And we're not going to read all of it, but we're going to take kind of the summary of it and bits and pieces of it to help us understand how wisdom operates this way. Let's just pray and ask the Lord to lead us because he is the source of wisdom. God, we, as we open uh, the scriptures, as we open this part of the scriptures, this wisdom literature, we thank you. We thank you that in your infinite wisdom, you've included this for us so we can learn and grow and live well. We know you long, that for, long for that for us, Lord. And so we, we welcome your wisdom. We welcome your discernment, your insight. And in particular, God, maybe there's some people just going through something so specific that they need your wisdom today. Uh, may they come humbly to you and hungry for it. And we trust that you will respond to them. In Jesus' name, amen. The first idea we get out of Romans 1 is this, is that wisdom calls out to us. 
that wisdom calls out to us. Verse 20 um, in, in, in Proverbs 1 says this, out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. Now, if you would read other parts of Proverbs, other chapters, you see this phrase come up a lot, that wisdom is calling to us, that wisdom is trying to get our attention. Right at the beginning of Proverbs, out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. And listen how the, how the author personifies wisdom. She raises her voice. She raises her voice. Proverbs is trying to get our attention, raising the need for wisdom in our lives, calling out to us, out in the open, wisdom calls. She raises her voice. Lady wisdom raises her voice. And and we'll look at maybe what that might mean later on. But then as the author continues, on top or in the public square, right, she raises her voice in the public square, On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. So look at how wide and far wisdom calls. In the public square, on top of the wall, at the city gate. There's this sense that wisdom is trying to reach everybody. That wisdom is calling out to us. And listen to wisdom's message. The next verse says, no, the next one after that, Abigail. It says, um, this is part of the beginning of wisdom's message. How long? Will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Right at the beginning of this, wisdom is getting our attention and showing us at least one of its target audience. And and wisdom has four target audiences in, in Proverbs. The naive, okay, the wise, the foolish, and the arrogant. So the target audience of this literature and and this part of scripture specifically as it's written is first for the naive, those who desperately need wisdom to live better, but they're just naive. Another audience target is this, is that just the wise. The wise are wise, but they always want more wisdom. And so one of the targets is, well, we're going to speak out to the wise because the wise will keep growing in wisdom. Another target audience is the foolish, those who reject wisdom. Talked a little bit about that last week. Then the arrogant, as well, we talked about that last week. The arrogant is part of this target audience. They are too proud to accept wisdom. But here's the beautiful thing. Even though there's these four different groups of people that wisdom tries to reach out to, the naive, the wise, the arrogant, the foolish, regardless of the audience, wisdom keeps calling. That's grace. That's mercy. That wisdom keeps calling to us. Regardless of what um, you know, bucket we fit into, God is offering us wisdom. Isn't that amazing? This next idea that comes out of how wisdom works, not only that wisdom calls, but wisdom makes itself available. Wisdom or God's wisdom, make, God makes his wisdom available to us. This is huge. Verse 23, um, we read this, and now we can see one of the target audiences. Repent at my rebuke. It's probably the foolish or the arrogant. Repent at my rebuke. Then... I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. Wisdom is calling and wisdom is making itself available to who? To everyone, everywhere, anywhere that will come and listen. Now, ultimately, we find godly wisdom in the scriptures. But we know that God can use so many things around us where we've discovered wisdom in our experiences, in our relationships, in our mistakes, in our trials, in our successes. And God uses all that. How does wisdom do this? Or how does God do this? Well, he does it by the work of his Holy Spirit. 
God's spirit is meant to teach us and guide us and lead us. And sometimes the scripture, very often in a core way, the scripture speaks to us through scripture. Uh, the spirit speaks to us through scripture, getting our attention and also prompting us and teaching us just like Jesus promised the spirit would do. But here we have this, this way that the Proverbs kind of gives us this metaphor of, of how wisdom works. And the writer calls wisdom she, lady wisdom. Now that could just be a writing feature, just so that when we read, we feel like somebody's speaking to us. Or when we're reading, it feels like, you know, wisdom is more of a person speaking to us. Or it could be that lady wisdom is a metaphor for God's very own spirit who wants to speak to us and lead us and guide us. So we sense the personal calling to us for wisdom because the spirit wants to teach and guide and help us discern through life. And here's what I mean when I say wisdom is available to all of us and how the Spirit works in this. And I wrote this on the screen for us to understand. Sometimes the Spirit gets our attention, and sometimes He guides our attention. Sometimes the Spirit gets our attention. We read the Scriptures, and we and wow, God's just like speaking to us. Sometimes the, the Holy Spirit will prompt us in some way or convict us in some way, so He gets our attention. But sometimes... The Spirit guides our attention. What I mean by that is that he points us to wisdom that he affirms and that we need. And so he might point us to wisdom. When you read Proverbs and you read all the metaphors that Solomon uses, he uses buildings and animals and life experiences, and they're metaphors for wisdom. One of the ones that, one of my favorite metaphors that Solomon uses in the Proverbs is the metaphor of an ant. Now, in the West Island, we have a serious ant issue, and you probably want to spray them. But here's the metaphor for, um, that, that Solomon uses. And notice how the ant, he says, saves for winter. Here's, a, here's Proverbs chapter 6. Here's an example. Verse 6 to 8. Go to the ant, you sluggard. So he's speaking to the lazy or those who don't want to do anything. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. Yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Solomon's looking at the ant and says, man, this ant has no boss, but it's motivated. This ant, nobody's telling this ant what to do, but it's it's kind of self-disciplined to keep moving forward. Man, this ant has, I mean, the brain the size of a grain of sand, but it understands delayed gratification. But only later will I... Well, can I, I will, you know, be gratified with this. That the ant, even though it's probably cannot list the seasons of the year, figures out how to provide for itself for winter. So Solomon looks at the ant and like, man, there's some wisdom in this ant. That's just a metaphor. But the Lord used that. The Holy Spirit points to this ant. And then we read it in the scriptures, and it becomes wisdom for us. And I I thought about that. I thought, if the Holy Spirit showed Solomon wisdom through observing an ant, and he passed that wisdom on to us, can't God get our attention with various circumstances in our lives? Can't something happen in our lives, and the Holy Spirit says, watch that for a second, there's some wisdom there. I mean, an ant is neither atheist or theist. (laughs) An ant doesn't believe or not believe in God. But there is some wisdom in observing that ant. And I thought, if, man, if the Holy Spirit could use an ant and show that to Solomon, cannot God get our attention with the variety of circumstances and voices around us? So helping me understand um, 
some practical wisdom on finances, I'm going to show you this, this uh, metaphor, and it's an Egg McMuffin. And um, you might be wondering, like, where is there wisdom in an Egg McMuffin? Well, I was watching this documentary about a year ago, and it happened to be a documentary on Warren Buffett's life. And, and he's, he's sharing his daily routine. And, um, and so many of you know, if you don't, Warren Buffett is like one of the wealthiest people in the world, billion, billionaire, you know, multiple times over. And so, but he loves Egg McMuffins. He eats Egg McMuffins every single day. He drives through the drive-thru and then picks one up and goes to his office. But the unique thing that I observed from, from Warren Buffett is that um, when the market is doing bad, now this is before ATMs work, he used to, his wife used to prepare $2.73 for him. And so he would take that money and go buy an Egg McMuffin. When the markets did well, his wife prepared $3.23 for him because the markets did better. So he bought an Egg McMuffin with sausage. So here's this guy who's like a billionaire. (laughs) And in the morning, he's like, you know, I've had yesterday was a bad day. I'm going to buy a cheaper Egg McMuffin. Yesterday was a good day. I'm going to buy a more expensive Egg McMuffin. Now, I have no clue what Warren Buffett believes or if he believes in God or not. But I watched that and I thought, there's some wisdom in that. And there's something in the Proverbs, actually, chapter 22, verse 6 to 7, says, says these words. says, the rich will rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. And I thought, you know what, there's something here that maybe in a week or a month, when a large expense comes in, maybe it's like my car registration that I don't, it's only one month of the year or my property tax or something and it all comes up or maybe my kid's school supplies and it's like, oh my goodness, August is going to kill me. What's going on, you know? And then I, and I think, oh, wait a second. Well, I think I should, when, when I want to go out or maybe buy a meal or I say, you know what, maybe I'll hold off on that because it refrains me from going into debt so I don't become a slave to the lender. And, and I think, when you think about that, whether it's financial or relational or in other parts of your lives, God can, there's wisdom all around us and sometimes we can learn from that and the Lord wants to show us these things and we can affirm it through the scriptures. Is this really wisdom from God? Oh yeah, there's some wisdom there. God's wisdom is obviously in the Proverbs and the rest of scripture, but I love the Apostle Paul's statement. He says, whatever is noble, whatever is true, whatever is good, whatever is right, says this in Philippians, think about these things. Think about these things. And I think that's so important. We have to consider these things or some of these things as wisdom from God. And why I say this is I think Christians, we need to be honest about wisdom. Because sometimes, I don't know why this happens, but sometimes even coming from a really half-baked source. Or one of my, imagine one of my fiercest critics or fiercest enemies says something wise and I dismiss it. Not because it's unwise, but because of him or her. But if I'm listening, and there's maybe 80% of their life that I would say is unwise or hurtful, but if it's something that is wise that is said, how could I not say, that is wise? Imagine some crazy person quotes Proverbs 22, and and I would say, I don't believe that because I don't believe you, because I think you're an idiot. That would be dishonest for where this, what this wisdom is really is. And I might be missing something. So I want, I want us to understand that. And now here's, here's, here's the thing. If God is the source of all wisdom, 
and I am listening to his voice through the scripture and through the discernment of the spirit, then you and I, we have a tool. We have a tool to filter through the wisdom around us. Now, I can tell you there is a dozen things that I observed in the documentary with Warren Buffett that I wouldn't call wisdom. But that little egg McMuffin thing got me. (laughs) We have a tool through the scriptures and through the discernment of the spirit to filter through the wisdom that is around us. Filter through the various sources of wisdom that is presented to us. We can keep the wise and disregard the foolish. We can keep the good and disregard the bad. We can keep the things that affirm the framework that God has given us through the scripture and through the discernment of the spirit and we can lose the rest. That's part of how how wisdom works in the scripture. Help us discern those things. Here's another way that wisdom works. It's that wisdom shows us a probable future. Like, and, and sometimes we don't like that because if we're doing something and we kind of know it's not really going to work and someone says, if you do this, this will likely happen, you're like, no, no, it's not true. I don't believe you. I'm going to just try it anyways. And um, here, here's what wisdom says, verse 24 to 26. But since you refuse to listen when I call and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity, calamity overtakes you. It's not nice. It's not really nice. Well, what, let's see what the next one says. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but I will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and will be filled with the fruit of their schemes. I told you so. That's kind of what it is, right? Now, don't think of lady wisdom or this wisdom here as, you know, hating you because... Some moms have done the same thing. They're like, you come back home and you're like, I, I, you know, hey, that's what was going to happen because that was going to happen. You know, and it's like, that was your thing. You decided that. And so there's this sense where wisdom tries to show us the, our probable future by the decisions we make today. Now, here's the difference between how the law works, like the Torah and other parts of the scriptures, how even the prophets work. So the law works by authority. Do this. Or the Ten Commandments. Don't do this. And so we take that authority. We listen to it. It is wisdom. That's how the law speaks to us. The prophets speak to us differently. Where Israel would veer off the Lord's way, where Israel would treat the poor wrongly, where Israel was being dishonest, and God says, you are not living in just ways, and the Lord judges them. So the prophets judge. There's a justice in the prophets. There's an authority in the law. Wisdom works differently. Wisdom, when you read Proverbs, it's kind of like, You want to live like this? Go for it. But I'm going to tell you that if you do this, your life's going to be a mess. So the the law says do this. The prophet says, this is not the Lord's uh, justice. You'll be judged. Wisdom says, go for it. Try it. See what happens in the end. And so it's this, this different approach that we read through the Proverbs. In fact, in, in verse 7, it's not there, but, but um, I think, yeah, it's here where it says that the Lord holds success in store for the upright. He's a shield to those whose walk is blameless. There's a way that wisdom wants to say, listen, cause and effect. If you do this, this is your probable future. 
And here, here's what I want to say in, the, in this next phrase. Wisdom shows us a probable future so we can make better decisions in the present. Wisdom attempts to show us a probable future. Do this and this will likely happen so we can make better decisions in the present. It's kind of like Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. The borrower is slave to the lender. What's wisdom saying? Wisdom's basically asking, do you want to be a slave? Is that what you want your probable future to be? I don't want to be a slave. Do you want to be a slave? If you become a, a if you be, if you borrow in such a way that you get crushed under debt, you will become a slave to the lender. Is that what you want for your life? Is that what you, you want your life to be like? That's how the Proverbs speaks to us. So wisdom attempts to show us a probable future so we will make better decisions in the present. Here's this other piece that wisdom does for us. Wisdom prevents and protects us from bad living. It doesn't guarantee, because we all know that. My wife and I were just talking this morning over a coffee saying like, we've all made how many mistakes? We've all failed in in many different ways. And sometimes with the best wisdom before us and the Holy Spirit within us, we've, we've still made mistakes. But wisdom is still there to prevent and to protect. In chapter 2, it talks about how there's a good path that the Lord desires for us and to walk in the ways of the good. But wisdom works to prevent and protect us from missing that good path. So I want to read just a couple of verses from, um, from the second chapter. If you go to the, uh, yeah, it starts here. So this is starting in verse 15 in chapter 2. Discretion, what does it say? Will protect you. Discretion will protect you. That's what I think about when I'm thinking I'm going to put a bad pair of pants on or a good pair of pants on. Just joking. Anyways, um, it's, I don't know if it's talking about that kind of discretion. Probably a more meaningful one. Discretion will protect you and understanding will what? Guard you. Let's continue. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in wrongdoing and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So there's this prevention. Now now the author gets really, really specific in one specific scenario. And, and this is what the author says in the next couple of verses. Wisdom will save you from the adulterous woman. So obviously speaking to a, a man, a husband, woman, wisdom will save you. And you know, you could reverse the roles here save you from an adulterous woman from the wayward woman with her seductive words who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before god surely her house leads down to death and her path to the spirits of the dead none who go to her return or attain the paths of life wow that's serious but there's prevention there's protection and then this specific example don't walk this way be careful so wisdom aims to prevent and protect. But here's the last thought that comes out of this section of Proverbs. Wisdom wants to make us wise people. This is so important. God does not only want to give you wisdom. He wants to make you wise. Right? God doesn't only want to give you information. God wants to make you wise. God doesn't want us to just... On another side, you think about reading the Gospels. God doesn't want us to just learn about the kingdom. God wants us to live the kingdom. God wants the kingdom to grow in our hearts 
and out of our lives. And the same with wisdom. God doesn't just desire that we learn some wise things and we carry around a book or we have a perfect app for wisdom for this day. Oh, perfect. What am I doing today? I, I have a bad conflict coming up. Let me kind of Google the wisdom you know, thing to do. No, no, no. I mean, that could be helpful. And that's why we read the Proverbs and that's why we allow the Scriptures to speak to us. But the Lord wants to make us wise people. And we become wise when we surrender to the source of wisdom. We read it last week, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The beginning, or the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. Now, let's look at this, what the, what the author says, and we're going to bring this together here. I love, I love this section in this first two chapters. For the Lord gives wisdom. He's the source. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. So there's a moral, ethical piece here. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of the faithful ones. This is so important. The Lord gives wisdom. Now, it's interesting that if we, we've been talking about wisdom and how the, the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. So it starts with fearing the Lord, reverencing Him. But there's something interesting, if you go to the next slide, that tells us that it's, it's so amazing how this cycle works. We come before God, and, and the beginning of wisdom is acknowledging who God is. But what the Scripture says is that as we grow in wisdom, we get closer to God. Because God's the source of wisdom. So there's this cycle that happens. We, wisdom is gained when we come before the Lord and we humbly come before him and recognize who he is. But then as we grow in wisdom, the scripture says that we also grow closer to the Lord. Here's verse 9 and 10. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path. And here's this line. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. I love this phrase. This is the goal of wisdom. Not that we just know wise things. Not that we just read wise things. Not that we understand the theories or the the approaches and all that, but that we become wise people for the wis- for wisdom will enter your heart. And when wisdom enters your heart, knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. In other words, your soul is like, yes, this is what I want. It's what I long for. It's what I need. This is what the Lord is doing in me. And there's a love and appreciation and an embrace of his knowledge, of his wisdom. And the goal is that we would become not just people that carry around wisdom, but that we would become wise people. That's When I think of my own life and I think of some of the areas where, yes, I leaned on wisdom, I pray that this becomes true for me. I pray that I will just not say, oh, there's a wise statement here. This is good. The scripture tells me this. I'm praying that the Lord will fill my heart with wisdom, that his wisdom and his knowledge and his purpose will fill my heart. So I will grow into a wise person, not just a person that carries around wisdom. Now, next week, there's this beautiful key step 
in Proverbs chapter 3 that I think is so fundamental for all of us and it's going to be super practical for every one of us and understanding even how our faith plays in. But I'll leave that for next week. But as we close today, this journey, this process, this work of the Holy Spirit, this humility, this hunger towards wisdom is God's heart for you. It's God's heart for me. It's God's heart for us. Now, something I want you to know before we close. None of us have arrived. And I stand here teaching this. I am not claiming to be the wisest person in the room. I'm not. None of us have arrived. But some of us are on the journey. But here's what's true. It's possible for all of us. It's possible for every one of us. Regardless of what has happened previous to today, it's possible for all of us. Isn't that an amazing, beautiful promise from God? Wisdom calls us. It's available. God is the source of wisdom. And out of our love for God and our growth in wisdom, we can become wise people. Amen? Let's pray. Maybe just as we're praying, if there's um, an aspect, a part of your life that you are asking the Lord for specific wisdom on. As you're understanding, even this morning, how his wisdom works, just ask him. Ask him. He is so ready to part his wisdom in your life. Maybe it's a character issue, a personality issue. Maybe it's a relationship issue, a conflict at work, your finances. Lord, you are the author and source of all wisdom. Good wisdom, true wisdom. God, help us to hear wisdom's call. Help us to know and its availability for us. Thank you for your word and your spirit that can be a filter for us when we're noticing things around us that might seem so ordinary or human and yet there's an overlap to what is right and good and true. God, help us to to recognize those moments and be grateful to you because you're the author of true wisdom. God, we thank you that your heart for us is a good path is to walk in a good way. And even as we read that you give wisdom and you long for growth and success and purpose in our lives, we thank you, God, for that. And we thank you how you intend to protect us and prevent us falling off that path. God, we thank you for your wisdom for that. Lord, we long, as we were, came to this close, that we long to become wise people. Give us Holy Spirit-infused wisdom for life. God, may we go about our days 
recognizing that you're the source of wisdom and that you long to fill us with it. And that you would fill our hearts with it, that it would be overflowing, Lord. That even others would recognize that we walk to a different drumbeat because we walk to your wisdom. We pray for your grace and the empowerment of your spirit to lead us and guide us and help us in this. And thank you for the hope for tomorrow, regardless of what yesterday was. It's for all of us. In Jesus' name we pray. I want to read this prayer off the screen as we all just pray this together. If you can put that up, Abigail. We'll close with this. Let's pray this. Grant to us, Lord, we pray, the spirit to think and do those things that are right, that we who cannot exist without you may by you be enabled to live according to your will through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.